Hello and welcome to the Venery Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 23. In today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about a potpourri of things. First, in the vein of being thankful for my family, including my pets, it's the top 10 things that you can learn from your dog. With the onset of winter comes antifreeze. This is what you need to know about antifreeze poisoning and how you can prevent it with your pets. Lastly, a controversial section on veterinary mistakes what you need to know about them, and how to avoid them. Now Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher. You can download the Stitcher app and search for Veterinary Secrets. I would sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Any questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog, or you can send me an email, and that's at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. I'm taking all sorts of suggestions for the podcast, so I'd love to hear what you have to say. First, things we can learn from our dog. Never pass up on the opportunity to go for a joyride. Allow the experience of fresh air and the wind in your face to be pure ecstasy. When loved ones come home, always run to greet them. When it's in your best interest, practice obedience. Let others know that they've invaded your territory. Take naps and stretch before rising. Run, romp, and play daily. Eat with gusto and enthusiasm. Never pretend to be something that you're not. If you want what lies buried, dig until you find it. When someone is having a bad day, be silent, sit close by, and nuzzle them gently. Thrive on attention and let people touch you. Avoid biting when a simple growl will do. On hot days, drink lots of water and lay under a shady tree. When you're happy, dance around and wag your entire body. No matter how often you're scolded, don't buy into the guilt thing and pout. Run right back and make friends. Delight in the simple joy of a long walk. When all else fails, beg. Be loyal. The big point of me having this on today's podcast is one, as I said earlier, it's Thanksgiving, being thankful, being thankful for my family and my pets and some of what I've learned from my dogs. Now I'm going to get into the second part of today's podcast and it's a more serious topic and it's about antifreeze. With the onset of winter, the risk of antifreeze poisoning rises. Recently, there's a local politician in my area had his cat die and he's calling for a ban on conventional antifreeze. There is a non-toxic antifreeze available, yet it's still difficult to find. The brand is called Sierra. Antifreeze poisoning is one of the most common and deadly toxicities seen in dogs and cats. The toxic ingredient in antifreeze is called ethylene glycol. Ingestion of less than 2 ounces is potentially fatal for a 25 pound dog. A cat only needs to lick up a quarter of an ounce. Dogs and cats are attracted to antifreeze spills by its sweet smell and taste. When an animal swallows antifreeze, the ethylene glycol is rapidly absorbed into the bloodstream from the stomach. After absorption, the ethylene glycol is changed into several other chemicals by an enzyme in the liver. The substances produced by the liver's metabolism of it are highly toxic to your pet's kidneys and can result in the death of kidney cells. If a high enough dose of antifreeze is consumed, fatal and irreversible kidney failure results. So what are some of the signs? Signs of antifreeze poisoning are neurologic in nature, resulting from the direct effects of the ethylene glycol. Affected pets may be lethargic, uncoordinated, and vomiting. Owners often describe their pet as acting drunk. These signs generally resolve within 12 hours after ingestion of the antifreeze freeze and the animal may appear to have recovered. Signs of renal failure develop 24 to 48 hours after ingestion. At that time your pet will become very depressed, 
possibly even comatose. Seizures and vomiting may be seen. So what is the treatment? Treatment of antifreeze poisoning involves supporting kidney function with fluid therapy and administering medications that reduce the metabolism of ethylene glycol by the liver. The key to successful treatment is early recognition. Treatment must begin in the first few hours after your pet consumes the antifreeze in order to prevent irreversible kidney failure from developing. Unfortunately, most pets with antifreeze poisoning are not taken to a veterinarian until they've been sick for a day or two. At that point, treatment is generally unsuccessful. It's essential to take your dog or cat to your, to your veterinarian if you believe there is even a chance that your pet may have consumed antifreeze. Don't wait until your pet becomes ill. It's too late to act. Prevention, so what, you can, what can you do? Obviously, the bottom line with antifreeze poisoning is prevention. When, tr when changing the coolant in your vehicle, clean up all antifreeze spills immediately. Be sure the antifreeze container is securely closed and out of reach. You know, address a leaking radiator immediately. Just don't let it spill out at all. And then consider the non-toxic antifreeze. Sierra, it's a relatively non-toxic antifreeze that contains propylene glycol rather than ethylene glycol. Consider using this type of antifreeze if your pets have access to areas where the vehicle is stored. Antifreeze can also be found in other areas. It can be found in things such as snow globes. Just take extra care just making sure these things don't break if it can happen and then your pet, pet can have access to it and lick that up. Now the last part of today's podcast. Seven mistakes veterinarians make. What you can do to avoid them. Yes, even veterinarians make mistakes. They're human after all, and we all make mistakes. The big problem is this can mean life or death for your pet. So you really need to know what the common mistakes are and what you can do to avoid them. It's very difficult to know how often medical errors really happen with our pets. There's a veterinary record which surveyed veterinary graduates, and of the 82 or 105 respondents stated that they made a mistake. This resulted in a less than optimal or potentially adverse outcomes for a patient. So what are the top seven ones? One is surgical errors. This can mean attempting to spay a male, male cat, which I, yes, once attempted, to much more serious errors, such as leaving a sponge in the abdominal cavity or performing surgery on the wrong leg. Unfortunately, errors in surgery are much more common than most pet owners think, yet most can be prevented. Ensure that your veterinary clinic identifies your animal properly with a name tag. Show the surgeon or technician the exact lumps to be removed. Ask whether or not they use a checklist in surgery. They should. Ask about the type of anesthesia and the monitoring. You want a technician to be monitoring your dog or cat while surgery is being performed. Then ask again about recovery. Will your pet be adequately monitored after surgery? Misdiagnoses, as in your pet being diagnosed with the wrong type of disease, or your concerns not being taken seriously. This can go all over the board from serious diseases not being diagnosed, such, a, such as a disease called Addison's, which is difficult to properly confirm, and many older practitioners may not be fully up on their continuing education. Then there is the other extreme in which too many diagnostic tests happen and a disease is diagnosed, which may, may really not be serious. You know, I can think about, about a patient who was sent to, for an MRI in the back, and while this happened, a mass was seen in the liver. This then caused a whole bout of serious concerns for the client, and a biopsy of the mass showed a possible cancer. This then led to more invasive procedures, unfortunate complications, and in the end, the pet had nothing more than a hepatic, nod hepatic nodular hyperplasia, benign swelling of the liver. You need to ask many questions and be very involved. Ask whether or not that diagnostic test is needed. Ask for a referral if you think that you're if you think that your older veterinarian is missing something serious. Medication errors, you know, such as medication being mixed up, prescribed at the incorrect dose, either too much or too little. 
It happens frequently. Staff not being adequately trained or not taking proper care to ensure that med medication was written on the label actually matched the medication being dispensed. But this still happens. You know, as an example, in one situation, there was a client that was sent home with an antibiotic for a skin infection and ended up being sent home with a very potent immunosuppressive drug. To avoid these, you need to be asking many questions. You know, what is the name of the drug? What is the drug for? How much medication should I be giving my dog or cat? And how often? You really ask a lot of questions, especially if you're dealing with serious drugs that can have serious side effects. Pre-surgical screening. This is in part related to surgery, but highlights a common error, lack of initial screening. Ensure that your pet is properly examined on the day of the surgery before any type of anesthesia is given. If there are any concerns about your pet's health and anesthesia, then I would advise some type of blood test screening for organ function as that affects the ability of the, of the anesthetic to be metabolized properly. Escaping pets. Who would ever think that their pet could escape at a veterinary clinic? I would. For veterinary practice, there are many times a dog or cat got away running through the clinic. Most of the times are quickly caught, but occasionally they made it out of the front or the back door. In this case, you want to assure that your veterinary practice takes your concerns seriously and they keep the back door shut when moving pets from kennels to the surgery or the treatment room. Clearly, you can avoid problems by having a well-trained dog and tell the front staff that your cat is an, an escaper. So hang on tight and make sure all the doors are closed. Injection problems, as in injecting things in the wrong place or injecting things that shouldn't be injected. Classic is having an intranasal kennel cough vaccine drawn up into a syringe then injected into the skin as opposed to being squirted in the nose. Yes, this has happened at a veterinary practice that I once worked at. I didn't give the injection. but um, saw this after the fact as a locum, and the dog developed serious complications of liver failure. Other injection problems include not calculating the correct dose and injecting too much of a drug. You know, this can easily happen with things such as insulin, sending diabetics into shock. Once again, you need to be clear on what your dog or cat is getting for medication before the veterinarian or the lay staff gives the shot. Ask what it's for, and is that the correct dose? And the last point is on supervision, or, my, or more likely lack thereof, especially with new veterinary graduates and new staff. You know, the veterinary record survey of new graduates concluded that most of the medical errors happened due to lack of a supervision. These new graduates were hired and left to fend for themselves. You know, I had a similar experience myself. After working for two weeks, my, pract my practice owner left me alone while he headed off on vacation. I recall spaying a large breed overweight dog, having, having one of the uterine pedicles drop, the abdominal cat filled with blood. You know, I struggled to find where the bleeding was coming from, and I was really concerned. I mean, this dog could die. Fortunately, I was able to locate the bleeding pedicle adjacent to the kidney, re-ligate it, in other words, clamp it off, and the dog recovered well. But that doesn't always happen, and this could have been avoided if I'd had adequate supervision. So in conclusion, yes, mistakes happen in veterinary practice, and probably more than you think, as they're not statistics on veterinary errors. As a concerned pet owner, you can go do a lot and go a long way in preventing many of these from ever happening to your dog or cat by being involved. Ask questions about your veterinary practice and veterinarian. Do they use a surgical checklist? Is there adequate supervision of the animals during and after surgery? Ask about any medication being given to your pet, whether it is a tablet or injection. You can't prevent all, but you sure can prevent a lot from most veterinarians. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. I'm Dr. Andrew Jones. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear feedback, one, suggestions for future podcasts and future things you want me to cover. And do any just questions, period, that you'd love to have answered. So you can do so by one, either posting on the blog, that's at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog, after this podcast, or two, sending me an email, that's at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week. This is Dr. Jones.